Welcome back to the Money Game Podcast. I'm the host with the most, the pod guy, a.k.a. Dennis Potman. And on this episode, I got a couple things I want to talk about. You know, the trial that's going on, this whole alien invasion thing is going to be, you know, I would say the most important thing. Never got a chance to really touch and give my deep dive on the NBA Finals. And we're going to talk about Shannon Sharp last episode of Undisputed. This won't be one of those you know, lengthy episodes like last time because, you know, uh, I did the content with Hassel on Sunday and put it out on Monday and that was kind of, you know, it's kind of mixing, matching with, you know, different topics and all that. But, you know, I kind of changed the format to fit everything that he wanted for that episode because he wanted more than just an interview and um, he wanted to be a part of the show, like the whole show. So I made that happen, but it's still some things that I wanted to touch on in uh, good detail. So... Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. It's episode 138. Let's rock. Living under a rock and or just love hip-hop as much as me, then you already know that. A couple months back, uh, Jim Jones said some stuff about Pusha T. And it's definitely his opinion. But the way it was delivered sounded, I ain't gonna say it sounded like hate. But it sounded more like a diss. And what he basically said, I want to say it was like Rap Caviar. I think it was Rap Caviar. I know I see B-Dot and uh, Bootleg Cav in the mix. So I want to say it's Rap Caviar. But um, basically he was saying they was having a top 50 rap conversation. A conversation that I hate to get into, obviously. But um, yeah, um, basically he was saying Pusha T wasn't top 50 like rappers. And... I guess he was kind of leaning towards the Drake thing and all that, or I don't know if it was necessarily that in the original conversation, but basically he was saying that um, Pusha T wasn't the top in his top 50 rappers because he, you know, niggas ain't want to be him, females ain't want to get with him, you know, he didn't have that influence, nobody wanted to dress like him, blase, blase. So um, that's basically what he said in the original, but he stopped by Breakfast Club not too long after and kind of doubled down on those comments and here's that sound bite i love your soul my dog you think you're not in my top 50 you might be in charlamagne's <laughs> top 50 and things like What's that top 50? you haven't done that much for me in my life like i didn't never want to be like push i didn't never, i never had a push moment in my life i never thought like you did like where i'm from niggas want to be like you if you was really that dude and that rapper and things Wait, like that like, like shit he was influenced by pushing yeah yeah. Okay, cool. That's why Pusha did the Mr. Me Too work. Okay, cool. You a very strong Pusha T fan. <laughs> you and I don't care because people like Jim, look at Jim talking. Nigga, you is nowhere near top 50. You top 950. You crazy. Like, well, See what I mean? Like, it seemed like more of like a, like a diss type thing or whatever. And I know the type of nigga Pusha is. Um, he was going to respond to this, whether it's going to be a one line or a couple lines or a couple bars. He was gonna definitely going to respond to this. So, yesterday, um, I want to—I don't know exactly where it was at, but I know him and his brother Malice, um, the Clips, for, for, for niggas who don't know that they are the group, the Clips. And they made a song that uh, cafeteria tables would never be the same after that song came out called Grinding. But um, they hit the runway. And he debuted music, and the song he debuted um, was definitely, you know, responding to what Jim Jones had said, you know. And I knew this was coming. I obviously knew last year that, you know, Pusha T 
um, we'll definitely have a Gangsta Grills mixtape come out this year, and now it's like it's finally surfacing. So here's that snippet of what Pusha T said and this snippet of his new song or of the mixtape project or album we don't know the name of yet, but here's the snippet. a lot to unpack there you feel me um i want to say drake was mentioned in that original rap caviar conversation he would say he would rather put drake in his top 50 because of influence or some shit like that don't quote me on that but i want to say that was also said in that original rap caviar conversation obviously you know pusha t and drake had uh some type of beef you know that's stemming for like decades at this point but he handed Drake a L um, with the story of Adidon, and most people gonna sit there and say that, oh, it's because he um, re uh, he released the information that he had a son at the time where he didn't announce it. And people gonna remember it for that, but let's not act like he didn't lyrically tear him a new one. Like, I, I hate when people talk about that and they only, I mean, yes, that's the part everybody remember. Yes, that was the part that was shocking at the time, but let's act like he didn't, like, have bars for his ass before and after he revealed that on that song if you listen to it and that was one of those diss songs i always go back to you know just for you know the love of hip-hop but that's a whole nother conversation or a whole nother day for content literally but yeah there's a lot to unpack there i like the way he ended that he said you know you're reaching for a feature that's out of your element i think he's talking about drake right there because a lot of people feel like he was dick eating drake or you know glazing so to speak so i don't know what it's gonna be jim jones he posted a video on instagram just laughing or whatever but i mean i don't know how it's gonna go obviously pusha t is not freddie gills or nothing you're not gonna catch him at prime 112 and punch blood out of him so i don't know i hope this completely stays hip-hop i mean jim jones is a better lyricist than he was when he first started out and if you don't believe that um you should listen to the early Dipset songs like uh, Get Crunk Music or, you know, there's a lot of songs, right? You could tell he ain't even know how to rhyme yet, like Jada Kiss said on the verses. But I don't know. These are the good lyricists. Everybody getting into this, you know, push your raps better. Jim has a better catalog. I would like to disagree. I would like to say that, obviously, you know, Pusha T raps better than Jim, and he always have. And like I just said, Jim Jones has, you know, got better throughout the like the from the beginning to now in his career he has got a lot better but i like to think that pusha t solo because you know it's just a solo thing and dipset versus the clips is a whole another conversation but as solo artists i would like to think pusha t has a better catalog as well and obviously he doesn't have a song like you know summer in miami or you know pop champagne or you know we fly high balling but he still has stuff that's very relevant over the years. He's been on classics. He's rhymed with the best of them to Jay-Z, to Kanye, to whoever. So, like, it puts him in a league of his own. And I would like to see how this thing unfold because, obviously, I like both of them. You know, like I said, you know, they are, you know, legends to me from that early, you know, 2000s era that 
I feel like it's more important than the 90s, which, hence, hence, there might be some content I do later on, you know, but, um, I feel like they're both legends in their own right, no, they don't do the same things, no, they don't have the same following, no, they don't have the same style as far as clothes or as far as rhyming, but, you know, they're legends in their own right, and I figured this would happen. Because Pusha T is not the type of guy to, you know, respond on Twitter or troll somebody on Instagram or something like that or subliminally tweet something out, you know, just because somebody said something in an interview. I feel like if you're a rapper and that's what you rose to prominence doing in situations like that, you know, you didn't rise to, you didn't get to this level by doing interviews. You got to this level by being a, you know, a great wordsmith. So responding on wax on a track doing what you do best I feel is the the way to go about these situations if you felt a certain type of way about it even though you know a lot of stuff gets brushed off but I feel like you know it came off as hate you know like like it just like in a distant type of way you know even though he said you know fuck with push he loves his soul and all that but I mean I don't think nobody would take lightly like lightly to those type of comments about their artistry if he knows for sure, which Pusha T is definitely a top 50 rapper. I don't give a damn whatever you is the the criteria you're looking for. 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s. He's definitely top 50 in all of those eras. And that's just my opinion. But like I said, there's a lot of people that agree with it. And there's probably more people that don't agree with it. But anyway, I look at it from a different, it's a different bar with me, you know. People don't understand the bar, you feel me? And a lot of times people don't understand the bars and this shit. So Pusha T might go over your head. Maybe We Fly High is your cup of tea. Maybe Daytona by Pusha T is your cup of tea, you know? But it's got to call it down the middle. And that's just the way I'm going to call it. But do I think Jim could, you know, put some bars out? Do I think Jim is a great, like, wordsmith and very lyrical? At this point in his career, he definitely is. And you never know what's going to come from that. So, I'm just, you know, grabbing the popcorn and waiting to see what's going to happen next, to be honest. But, let's talk about this YNW Melly case, man. I, I think I went to sleep yesterday. That shit was so boring. But, let's let's give my whole deep dive on that whole situation. So, YNW Melly is obviously, you know, accused of murdering two of his one time, like, at one point, his best friends or whatever. Um, I'm obviously watching this right now, but it's on mute, but it was starting off pretty slow. I don't know what, when it's going to pick up, but it says it's going to be more, you know, in their words, it's going to be more juicier today, pause, but, <laughs> but I don't know. It was, it was starting off slow when I was preparing this episode and this morning and yesterday, bro, I did not know what the fuck they was talking about. Obviously, like I heard the cell phone shit and then, you know, it did, it just went left. Um, it was bringing a lot of people up to the stand and shit like that, and uh, it was very technical. And I had to fucking Google at least five words these niggas was using. And still, when I Googled this shit, I fully didn't understand. Like, that's the type of shit niggas was on. And you know motherfuckers is watching. And they just, we, like I just said earlier on Twitter, bro, we literally want to know, did he backdoor his homies or not? And they're slowly getting to it. But I, when I say slowly, I'm talking about, like, snail slow nigga turtle slow nigga like they but they they building up to it but nigga i'm trying to get to that point did he do it or not and it was a bunch of shit like that earlier when i was watching they was talking about you know 
estimating the ETAs for certain places he drove the car and, you know, like basically putting up the GPS shit and, you know, to calculate how long it would take him to get here, how long it would took him to get there and shit like that. So still starting off boring. But yesterday, nigga, I, I just went to sleep, nigga. Like, fuck it. Like, that shit was not what I was trying to hear. Like, y'all was just trying to get to the get to the fucking point, nigga. Get to the motherfucking point. Because I just want to know if he backdoored him or not. And, like I said, he's never been, like, an artist, like, that I've, you know, like, gravitated to. I was more of, like, a King Von guy. I know they had, a, you know, a tight relationship, but, like, I'm more of a King Von guy. So, like, Melly, only song I know from him... I don't even know it. I just know of it is murder on my mind, which that <laughs> that really doesn't help the case. And I know for sure they're not using his lyrics or song against him. But if they did, boy, he would be in some hot fucking water right now. I'm not going to lie to you. But I just want to know, like, did he really do it? And I just feel like if he did do it, it's just, I don't know. Because I don't know what them niggas did or some shit like that. But, like, either way, bro, I don't think killing your friends or niggas that once was your friend, obviously, is the way to go about any situation. But I don't know the full situation as of now or his reasons behind it. Um, Everybody was saying free Melly this whole time. I, I think that's a bad move until this trial is over. I wouldn't be condoning snaking niggas that was once your friends. I wouldn't be condoning that type of behavior. You know, that back door is always swinging. It's always open like the fucking trap house. So, like, you never really know who's gang, who's the day one or whatever. So, I just feel like people saying free melody, goddammit. Um, it just seems like you condoning that whole situation with me. I'm the more, like I said, I'm trying to get straight to it. Obviously, this is something that's big in hip-hop right now. Um, you know, obviously... NBA Finals, the most boring NBA Finals uh, was is over now, so I guess this is the next big thing for me to cover, pause, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm all in, you know, I'm definitely all in, but it's looking like these niggas don't got no solid evidence, and everything is based in reasonable doubt, so if that's the case, he might, he might get off, but it ain't no telling, you feel me, you just, you never know in these type situations. My take, though, I just feel like the shit is foul if he did do it. Like I said, I don't see no reason to, you know, snake homies like they, they was your homies at one point. It's always, you know, just a cutoff. That's what I would do, you know. In certain situations, I may get mad. I may, you know, overreact. But if we once was homies, like, tight, very close, then I think the cutoff is the way to go. Murdering them, you know, setting them up or whatever the situation may be. I don't feel like, you know, that's the most logical thing to do. You know, you could just not fuck with them. And if that was the case, then we probably wouldn't be here right now. I probably wouldn't even be speaking on this whole trial because it wouldn't exist. But I just think it's foul if that is the case. If that's not the case, then I still would like to know what the hell happened, how they got murdered. Like, how did this shit happen? So, I don't know. But like I said, I'm going to be watching this, you know, and tweeting about it. I, I see this is more, you know, everybody engaging with the tweets about this case and shit like that. So I'm going to definitely, you know, try to explain it the best way I can to everybody else that, you know, that follow me or listen to the pod or, you know, shit like that. So, so, um, 
referenced the NBA Finals just now. So let's get into that. And I'm going to tell you, you thought this goddamn trial was boring, nigga. I might put a poll up for this episode, nigga. What's more boring? Melly trial or the NBA Finals, nigga? I need to know. I really need to know. So let me, let me just go ahead and dive in on this NBA Finals shit and, and just give my truthful opinion about it. Let's go. Nigga. That shit was the most boring fucking NBA Finals I seen, nigga. And it only drove home the point that I always thought, nigga. There's this perception of Jimmy Butler, like, he's hardworking and where he is. And, you know, he holds everybody but accountable from his teammates to the coaching staff to the higher-ups. But, nigga, who's the number one star on their team? No, I will wait. I will wait, bro. Like, who's the number one star on the team? Is it Tyler Hero? He got to stay healthy. Is it Vincent? I mean, he still got to get some more years on his belt. Is it Bam? That's debatable. But it damn sure not Jimmy Butler. On a championship team, he's better off as the second or third wheel. Because you you could see moments within that shit that niggas was passing him the rock. Like, okay, take us to the promised land, nigga. And he did not do it. So... I tweeted early. I think I tweeted, was it early in the Boston series? That nigga don't win nothing this year. I don't want to hear nothing. It was the same as Joel Embiid. That nigga don't win this year. I don't want to hear shit, nigga. And I can't, and I'm talking from a standpoint. Yes, I understand how the league works. It's not an easy task to fucking go deep in the playoffs, let alone go win the motherfucking finals. But nigga, niggas been so dominant. Niggas had, you know, niggas are ballers. Then at some point, my nigga, okay, you went and lost to the Lakers. Ain't no shame in that, nigga. You went against arguably the greatest player in the world at this point. Ain't no shame in that. But Denver, nigga, come on, nigga. And I'm not one of these niggas that's not going to get Denver their props, obviously. That's what I was about to do after I, I toured Jimmy Butler a new one. But, nah. They got to put some more pieces around Miami for me to, like, view them as a championship team. Draymond, they say he's opting out his contract, and Miami might be a landing spot. Could that help? It could. So there's, what, two pieces. Him and Jimmy Butler. I think Bam got – Bam is not – he's a star, but he's not a superstar yet. So that's why I wouldn't say he's – an official piece yet. But do I think within the next two seasons he could reach that superstar status? Of course. Of course. You feel me? But it was just boring to watch. It was so predictable. You know, once Denver was busting their ass and had like 30-point leads. We saw 18-point leads go to 30 within like three minutes. I was just like, okay, they got it. They definitely got it. Um, and there's no hate towards Denver because, you know, legend has it, the Lakers team is still in the dustpan as we speak. So, <laughs> there's no hate there. I'm just calling it how I see it. 
But like I said, as much props to Denver. You know, Jokic, he definitely achieved what he set out to achieve, and I don't think he's done yet. I think this Nuggets team definitely has a lot in them, but it's going to be harder to reach this point again, like I said, with, you know, Bradley Beal obviously joining Phoenix, and that's what I'm going to touch on in the next episode. You know, it's going to be a lot of moves made, you know, everybody coming out west. And the East is stacked too, but not like the West. It's easy. Like, the last three postseasons, we saw different teams from the East fucking make the playoffs, nigga. Charlotte even snuck in there one year, nigga. You know, so it's much easier. But for that, it just gets bigger. It just gets, like, more harder. Pause. (laughs) Pause. It just gets more harder in the West to fucking, like, make that fucking make it to the finals. Like, it's going to be a stretch where, what, the 7th to the fucking, what, 10th spot, it literally have almost the same record and be like two, three games away from each other. It's always going to be that whole thing with the West because it's stacked. And it's always been like that. How Whatever ever you look at in basketball, the West is just the West. I don't know. It just has that appeal. Um... But, yeah, it was not very entertaining to watch. I would rather watch fucking Boston and Denver or Boston and L.A. I mean, like I said, it's historic. That would have been, you know, like I said, the chef's kiss for an NBA fan because it's history, whether it's Magic, Bird, Kareem, you know, KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kobe, Gasol. Fisher, like it's it's history behind that, and they're in a race to see who can have the most championships in NBA history. It's more on the line. It's more like a Hollywood script, a Hollywood storyline, if you would. It's the best way that I would like to end the postseason with what history is at stake. But I mean, this was just like very uh, underwhelming to say the least, in my opinion. I don't know exactly what the ratings were, war, but I can predict it was probably the lowest it's been in a couple of years. You know, Golden State, no Giannis, no LeBron, no KD. You feel me? No really marquee names as of now, which Jokic is a marquee name now, and you know a European player, so. That may change, but this wasn't what I expected. And the finals, it's the biggest stage, so it has to feel like it. It just felt like a conference finals, in my opinion. So that's why I say it was boring. It's too predictable. It didn't even go seven games. I said Nuggets and six, and I was wrong. It was Nuggets and five, and I'll take that. But I was still 50-50 right wrong. So... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not too much to say. Um, Jokic and Murray, definitely in that conversation with LeBron and Wade, LeBron and Kyrie, Kobe and Shaq, Kobe and Gasol, Pierce and KG. And the list goes on. They, they're making their name. They're making themselves into that legendary duo 
whether it's a guard, forward, and a big, they're making themselves into that duo where the boys got 40 points apiece. You feel me? That's something that you can't sleep on right there. But, I mean, in retrospect, man, I guess you could say, you know, you know, the better team won. But, damn, at what cost? Where's the entertainment value, you know? It's still entertainment at the end of the day. It ain't like reality TV where it's a script or maybe it is. <laughs> but, nah, though, that shit was mad boring, though, bro. It is not too much really I can say on that shit. Is other than that, I mean, that's my take on it. But... Speaking of the NBA Finals, everybody knew that Shannon Sharp would resume his last day after the NBA Finals concluded. And the last segment of the show, I see why they did it like that, but they should have got the fucking final shit out. And, you know, it could have been something different. And, you know, it just seemed like a regular show until the last segment. So it just kind of like, eh, we just give them the last, what, 10 minutes. You feel me? 11 minutes. Let him get his shit off. Let Skip say what he got to say. Let Shannon close it out. But it's a lot of things to take from this whole last segment. And I'm going to play it for y'all. And I'm going to let y'all hear it. Then I'm going to give my take on it. So here's Shannon Sharp last segment on Undisputed. Like his goodbye. You would walk me down to my car. I want you to do it one last time for me, Sid. Give me some pancakes, give me some scrambled eggs, and give me some bacon. Uh, if I missed anybody, guys, I'm sorry. I just love everybody. I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss this. I'm going to miss this. To the fans that made all this possible, you've embraced me and allowed me to become your favorite TV uncle. And for that, I'm forever grateful. You, 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 you rock with me when you knew very little about Shannon Sharp, the guy that could come out here and talk. Hopefully you found me uh, entertaining. Hopefully you find me educational. Hopefully you found all the things that I gave you that you looked for when you came and you turned in and you watched me and this man for seven years. And last but not least, Skip Bayless. Mm. You fought for me, bro. Did I? I'm here because of you. You've allowed me to share the stage with you. You allow me to share the platform. I'm gonna cry in the car, but I'm not gonna cry now. The opportunity that you gave me to become what I became, I'm forever indebted to you. I'll never forget what you did for me. You've helped me grow more than you ever know. Okay, this is not easy for me either. But one more thing, I one more thing before you go, okay. one more thing. All I ask is when you lay your head on that pill at night. Do I gave you everything I had. You did. I gave you everything I had. Which is why I want to thank you for all you have given to me. When I first took this job back in June of 2016, we had a whole nother format in mind until it became clear Shannon Sharp is available. And I said, I believe he can do this. And did you ever? The critics just savaged us when we first started. Undisputed will never last. FS1 will never last. Did we ever show them? Mm -hmm. I want to thank you for dedicating yourself to this job. It is a voracious beast yes. of a show. Day after day after day. You dedicated yourself to this job just the way you dedicated yourself to professional football yes. as a Hall of Famer. I want to thank you for never taking a sick day. 
I want to thank you for preparing as hard as you could every single day, every single topic. I want to thank you for competing as hard as you competed with me because the greatest compliment I can give you is you were a worthy adversary. I, I want to thank you and tell you that I love you for what you have done for, for me. And I'm good, Shannon, I'm, I'm going to miss our diet do bets. <laughs> you, owe me, you owe me a lot. I do, I do. I'm going to miss our LeBron battles, even though he's still the phony goat. But I'm going to miss our cowboy arguments. How about them cowboys? Because you were right about my Dallas Cowboys from day one. Right. In the end, I just want you to know that it was because of you, you made possible a very, very special time in my career. And this is a happy, sad moment for me because I look forward to your next great achievement, and it is coming. Yep. But tonight, I just want you to know, I will toast you with a Diet Mountain Dew. Thank you. And to my new team, Hollywood, my stylist, my daughter is here, Shelly Davis, who's been my assistant. Hollywood, when I got Hollywood, I flew you out the next day, and you said, I said, I want to dress my age. Hollywood said, oh, Uncle Shea, you called me Uncle Shea from day one. You said, what else you need from me? I said, I need loyalty and I need honesty. He said, Uncle Shea, I'm going to ride with you till the wheels fall off. And when the wheels fall off, I'm going to get out and walk with you. Mm. To my video, my video, my creative director, Jordan, you come a long way. Shelly Davis, I'm not here without you. Every email that I've received over the last 20 years, you've answered, answered it because I don't have email. You make this operation go. Club Shay Shay, 8484 Inc. You make it all go. My daughter, come here, Kayla. Mm. Come here, hurry up, come on. <laughs> then you better not cry, you're going to make your daddy cry again. Mm. Mm. I did it all for you guys. You, your brother, your other sister, I love you more than words can say. I love you. Skip Bayless, I appreciate you, man. I love you, man. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen at home, thank you, thank you. You'll see me again somewhere. I just don't know where. Thank you so much for your support. Love you guys. Right then, that was the last day on Undisputed. And what was that, June 13th? You know, like I said, there's some odd reason they saved the last segment, which I feel like it should have been bigger or whatever, you know, but whatever. Um, you can obviously tell that there's some fake love there because just a few days later, Shannon Sharp liked a, um, a tweet, you know, somebody saying that Skip was a piece of shit. So there's obviously some fake love going on. And if it wasn't no love lost or some type of friction between them, then he obviously wouldn't be, you know, leaving the show and ultimately would have never bought his way out of his Fox contract. But even on his last segment, the nigga, what, caught a breath and what, tried to wipe his eyes with his tears, Skip interrupting him again. Like, bro, like, bro, like, even on the last episode, you interrupted this nigga, bro. Like, come on, bro. Like, bro, we know you were like a... Skip is a media legend. Of course, you've been doing this shit for over 30 years, bro. 40 years, maybe. Like, that's cool, though. You know, but like, nigga, the nigga trying to talk. Then throwing in that, you know, oh, I'm going to miss the GOAT debate, even though LeBron is the phony GOAT. Like, nigga, I promise you, nigga. If that was me, nigga, I'd be like, nigga. I don't, before that commercial break, before the last segment, I'd be like, nigga, if you mention Michael Jordan, LeBron, Tom Brady, nigga, 
I'm reaching over that bitch and I'm about to knock the taste out your fucking mouth, nigga. I promise you, nigga. Like, nigga, come on, bro. Like, chill, bro. Then he threw that little LeBron shit in there. Now, if you notice when he called his daughter up, Kayla, but which which Kayla, boy, God damn, but that's a whole nother conversation. But you notice when he called his daughter up, he said he did it for his kids and he loved Kayla. That nigga did not say he loved Skip Bayless. That nigga said, Skip, I appreciate you, bro. You feel me? So you could tell it's definitely some love lost. Like I said, it was it was fake. They tried their best to keep it professional. But real niggas already know, like, that shit is, like, that love has long been gone. And you could tell he was treading lightly on what he was saying, though, because he, he said he appreciates you. He appreciates Skip. He fought for him and all that. He gave him the platform. He let him share the stage with him. And he did. 100% accurate. And that don't mean he liked that nigga as a person. That don't mean he loved that nigga more so like a Stephen A. do. Some shit like that. It was business. And they, like I said, I commend them on trying to keep it professional. But we could see through the bullshit. You know, we obviously know what the hell is going on. And I'm just going to say, I just feel like he surpassed him. You feel me? He definitely surpassed him in popularity. You know, he got memes. You know, just his whole personality. Like he's coming up with the chef. You know, Hot L's. That's definitely funny. The goat mask, which I love. You know, the Blacker Miles and the Henny. The LeBron jerseys. You know, shit like that. He just had a different personality versus Skip. His only thing was what the time he pops out with fucking Kawhi Leonard shoes on and the fucking Clippers jersey. But, you know, it's just like he probably, I think he got more followers than him. Shit like that. And you could tell early on when the first few seasons of the show, first few years, he used to clown him about, you know, his followers on Twitter. And now he surpassed him. And I think, you know, Taking all that into taking all that into consideration, nigga. He surpassed you in popularity, revamped his whole image and career in a whole new light. Has a bigger following. Which led to him getting his own podcast that started out with just, you know, football players and athletes. And now he's getting celebrities and now all that shit, rappers, comedians. And they even made Skip Bayless want to, you know, start that goddamn podcast, the Skip Bayless Show, which I think is not very good because even if you watch it on YouTube, it's bad because he's just reading off papers. And if you listen to the audio, you can tell he's just reading off papers, you know? So, um, yeah, like you can just tell us a lot of things packed into that, but I don't feel 100%. It was, you know, it was a good send-off, but it won't great. You know, um, Shannon Sharp is, you know, definitely very humble in his approach on how he, you know, the things he said during his last segment on the show. But, you know, it was definitely, you know, the end of an era. Especially, you know, if that's some people you listen to when you just wake up or you're working out or some shit like that, then you never really realize how much, you know, a show like that is a part of your everyday routine. 
you know, much like me with everyday struggle with like academics, Wayno and Deska, you know, it's kind of one of those moments for me when I had to watch them do their last episode. And you never seen a show like that since. And you would never see that pairing again, you know, in the, in the entertainment sense with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. But yeah, Skip still interrupted. It was what kind of made the shit like, come on, bro. Like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like, nigga, I'm leaving, nigga. Your ass still gonna be here, nigga. So what the fuck, nigga? Let me get my shit off. Then you can talk, nigga. Then I'm gonna close it out, nigga. But don't interrupt me like you always doing in that whole, mm, mm, mm. Like, everybody know what the fuck I'm talking about if you watch that show. Like, that shit is very annoying, bro. But I'm, like I said, I'm just, you know, happy for Shannon Sharp, obviously. There's some talks that, you know, he might replace Pat McAfee on that whole fan duel shit, but we'll see where he goes. But we definitely know he's going to have, you know, something in store. He got something up his sleeve. We just don't know exactly what it is yet. But that was definitely some fake love from the niggas. But like I said, they kept it professional. So let's go ahead and motherfucking get into this whole last topic of the show and I've never been a conspiracy theorist of any sort but this whole alien shit in Las Vegas boy this shit is crazy boy so basically some niggas in Las Vegas heard a crash in their backyard and they looked out there and seen like eight nine feet creatures gray greenish with shiny eyes and a big mouth he told the motherfuckers on the police call these are definitely not humans. So for y'all to get a better understanding, I'm going to play this sound bite, and then I'm going to give my take on it. Recorded on her home camera. Investigation by Next Star Station KLAS. As the story of the Las Vegas incident spread across newscasts and social media, one of NASA's planetary defense officers weighed in to say it was likely a small meteor that fell to Earth hundreds of miles away from Las Vegas. Police videos obtained by 8 News Now indicate Metro officers were among the witnesses. One of my partners said they saw something fall in the sky too, so that's yeah. why I'm kind of curious. The appearance of the meteor seemingly triggered the events that followed. A frightened family called 911 and told police they had 10-foot-tall alien beings in their backyard. Officers responded to the home minutes later, interviewed the witnesses, canvassed the area, and cautiously inspected the backyard to look for intruders. One thing noticed by the officers was a circle in the soil. In conversations with us and in a podcast interview, Angel, the main witness, suggested the circle might have been created when an unknown object landed in the yard. Social media sleuths have since pointed out that the circular image has been viewable via Google Earth for more than a year. The family told us by phone they had seen suspicious vehicles with men in black types checking out their home. Turns out there is substance to that. A retired police officer fessed up on News Nation that he spent days staking out the house to see what, if anything, unfolded. What about those reports that Metro installed a special surveillance camera atop the house, presumably to watch for intruders, human or otherwise, or overzealous media? Turns out that's true as well. Metro confirmed as much in a statement to 8 News Now's David Charms. The system stayed on the roof for days. What about the ring camera video with the weird noise? The main witness, Angel, intimated to us the video was recorded by one of his neighbors, and the audio was from the April 30th UFO crash. 
It wasn't. The security camera video was recorded in mid-April, according to the man who first posted the clip. He doesn't want his name used, but says the recording was from a fireball that passed over his home in the southwestern part of the valley two weeks prior to the alleged alien encounter. The family declined to be interviewed by us, but members have spoken elsewhere and stick to their claims of seeing aliens in the backyard. Dozens of people on social media have analyzed and dissected the images with various claims of aliens spotted in the shadows. Police do not believe this was a hoax call, which could be a crime if done intentionally. In the fervid swamp known as UFO world, our coverage of the story was itself seen as a dastardly plot to distract attention away from a prominent whistleblower named David Grush, who stepped forward around the same time. Grush unveiled his explosive on-camera account on News Nation, which is owned by the parent company of KLAS. In spite of the local news story, Grush's story was reported by news media all over the world. Curses foiled again. All right. So, I mean, what, so what do you make of this whistleblower? Nigga. That shit's crazy. Boy, I'm trying to tell you, like, bro, that was me, nigga. I don't know what the fuck I would have did, bro. It's a part in that shit where that nigga said he heard the niggas walking on top of his house. He heard they weird ass breathing. And he said, nigga, he looked out the window and locked eyes with one of the motherfuckers. And he just instantly froze. I'm like, boy, this is some different type of shit right here, my nigga. Like, I don't know. And the police called. It was crazy. One of the police officers in Las Vegas said he just seen something like green and glowing falling from the sky. So when the police got to his backyard, they seemed like his backyard had like a big circular thing that looked like somebody had crashed into the ground or some shit. So I don't know. Everybody knows Area 51 is in Las Vegas. And I'm going to just leave it at that. Well, Nevada or some shit like Yeah, so nigga. I don't know what I would have did. This dude said he saw eight-foot creatures. Like I said, he said he locked eyes with one of them. He said he had like a tractor or like a forklift or whatever in his backyard. And one of them walked over there like they was trying to operate it. And I don't know, bro. It's, it's crazy. It's funny how this gets swept under, like swept under the rug. And then, because this shit happened in what, like the end of April or some shit like that. And it's a lot of shit they tried to like. They didn't want to like put it out there, put it out like that, because we we didn't hear Kamala Harris speak on this. We didn't hear Joe Biden speaking on this. You know they covered it up with a lot of bullshit. YK Osiris sexually assaulting Sukiyana. You know Boosie getting caught with the Blicky in 4K. You know it's a lot of shit they threw out there when that shit was still making its rounds. And here we are in June. Like, even the guy who backyarded was the family. One of the guys had made a YouTube video. You gotta search hard as hell for that YouTube video. Like, they is not trying to make that shit into the algorithm. Like, you gotta search the fucking name. You gotta put the right name in just to get that bitch. Like, you will not find that video like you will find anything else. And I just find that very suspicious. I don't know why. Like I said, I've never been a conspiracy theorist at all, but. I don't know what's going on. That's very scary to listen to that whole uh, police call when he described what he saw and shit like that. But 
don't know. But y'all niggas tell me how y'all feel about that. Or just the podcast in general. You already know where to reach me at. Episode 138 in the books. I had a lot of fun doing this. I had a lot of fun, you know, just preparing this. And much love to all the supporters and, you know, fans, you know, that reach out to me, you know, randomly and just chop it up about not just the podcast, but life in general, you know, and just have those, you know, regular conversations. I mean, it definitely means a lot to me as a person, you know, and not as, you know, a podcast personality. And, you know, it just, you know, it brightens my day when, you know, I get those type of messages and, you know, people reach out to say, you know, they disagree <laughs> or they agree, you know, or, you know, they feel like something I said was funny, you know. And those are like the best moments from doing this in the last, you know, five, six years. You know, this hasn't been an easy journey, but, you know, now I feel like I'm in position to take this thing to a whole another level and... Without the listeners and without, you know, the criticism and, you know, without everybody supporting, um, none of this would be possible. And, you know, I didn't want to get sappy and, you know, fucking <laughs> typical at the end. But, you know, that's just what's on my heart right now. You know, just improving, you know, just making changes. I feel like season five and season six will be the best seasons of this whole podcast because... The stuff I got in store, the things I want to achieve, and, you know, just the individual bar I set for myself. So, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Pod God, a.k.a. Dennis Podman, wrapping it up. Episode 138. Peace and love to everybody. I'm out. So, if you want more from me and this podcast content and more bonus content then it's easy all you have to do is go to spotify spotify only type in money game pod look at the description and hit the link to subscribe and doing so will get you video versions of the podcast as well as extra bonus content such as game reviews show reviews album reviews and stuff like that so like i said go to spotify type in money game pod Go to the description, hit see more, and hit the link in the description to subscribe.